Okay, today I'm in Maidstone in Kent with professional dog punter, Jordan Vine, who is 25 years old. Right, the first question, Jordan, you're a professional dog punter. How did you get so shrewd so young? I was very lucky that I sort of surrounded myself with good people at a young age and I met the right people at a very early age and some would say I listened and others would say I didn't but I listened to the right people at a very young age and they sort of took me under their wing and I've, it was hard and it's not all been a sunshine and rainbows and I finally sort of cracked it over the last two or three years but at a young age it was a very lucky to meet the right people. As you say you met the right people, so did you have a sort of one person that was like your mentor that um, you know showed you the ropes and sort of taught you what to do? Yeah, there was there was many, but one figure sticks out massively for me. He's, uh, he's like a second dad to me, really. I owe it all to him. How I've got to where I got to. He's a fellow called Gary Noble. He's pretty well known in the game. Um, he sort of took a shine into me. Uh, he doesn't still know why he's took a shine to me nowadays, um, but I was very lucky to meet Gary and he's been fantastic to me. He's helped me through good times, bad times, and he's someone that I really admire and look up to a lot and can always learn off all the time still, even now. And uh, yeah, there has been a few other people, but Gary's the, the main standout, really. So what's your history in the game? Have you got What's your family background in gambling? Um... Well, I got into it through my dad's side of the family. My dad and uncle um, used to be involved as owners. My uncle used to train for a little bit um, as bookmakers. Um, and I was sort of born into it, really. I could never shake it. Well, I used to go when I was very young, and we got photos and videos of me when I was a baby sitting on dogs on the, tro uh, on the trophy presentation and stuff like that. And I sort of my dad come out the game a little bit when me and my brothers were born because my mum and dad have got three sons and uh, well, I sort of got back into it I was playing golf with my uncle one day and he was a bookmaker over sitting ball when I was about 16 and he said oh, we rush for time like can you come over with me so I said yeah not a problem so I went over with him and just said oh I can come and do a little bit of work for you I used to do the clerking for him and the floor sometimes and fell in love with it then and used to knock out all my money <laughs> over there obviously not better before I was 16 Simon but uh, <laughs> used to knock out all my money over there and I met a few people over there that I got involved with that taught me one of them was Richard Vernon he was probably my first shrewd meeting person that I met over the dogs he was working for Labrooks at the time and sort of learnt a bit from him at an early age and Concord, if you've ever been to sit in Bolnew, you definitely know Concord is. You can't miss him or you can't hear him. He's everywhere. Um, and just started from that, really. But my dad and my uncle actually bets the dogs for a living now as well at Central Park where I bet. And um, my dad's, they're both involved as owners as well now. So what's your winning angle? Um, I, I think it's a lot of hard work and dedication a lot of people don't realize the work and the hours and the how spot on you have to be mentally to do a card I mean some mornings I wake up and I know that I'm not 
feeling a hundred percent where I just can't concentrate or I don't want to work today. Whereas when you try and force the issue sometimes, it sort of goes wrong. But I would say my angle is just watching loads of videos and just trying to think outside the box. I think a lot of punters problem probably is that they don't they just look at the obvious and they go with the obvious and the obvious is usually priced correctly and everyone knows the obvious but my edge is trying to find new dogs or differently drawn dogs or read run-ups and just things that I don't think your your average punter would say would look into but that would be my edge really so how many hours work goes into your job before the actual sticking arm? Uh, depends what moves I mean really. Sometimes I can uh, literally wing it, go race by race, or other days I can be very prepared. Um, a few people would say I wing it quite a lot of the time, but uh, uh, it depends really. I can, I would say for instance this morning, which you've seen some, which I wish I did wing it and go race by race, uh, I was up last night until about two o'clock, I think. It maybe started about half eleven, done two and a half hours, done the sort of back end of the work for today. Um, and then I've done probably an hour this morning before racing, and then worked out my bets and looked at the prices. So sometimes it can be a very horrible game that you've worked so much, like, and like you've focused so much and you think you're on the right selections. And you don't get any award like you were seeing this morning as you got here a bit early. <laughs> Does, um, is there ever a point where there's no bet? You know, you make something a five to two shot, it opens up six to four. You convince it will win, but you think, nah, we'll leave it. Yeah, it's something that I definitely think is come into my armory over the last few years. I mean, before, if I fancied something strong, I would just stick on it. I, and I think I... It's made me evolved as a punter and made me do this professionally, whereas before I could not see past my own opinion, really. But, yeah, there's races now where I can just swerve because they're just too short. Or And likewise, if I don't even fancy a dog, I mean, there was a selection this morning I spoke to one of my friends about earlier that I didn't perhaps fancy so much, but the price just went ridiculous. So I had to have something on and take a chance at them prices and... It's just a game of odds versus chance, really. There's nothing much else to it. And would you ever fear the worst if something was drifting alarmingly and maybe back off? No, I've, I think I've been taught by Gary mainly. It's just the big, you just got to keep going. That's where you get your, uh, your juice out of selections. If you're certain and you fancy it strong, you've done the work and you generally believe you've had the right bet and the right selection, then you just got to keep going. So when you're picking your dogs, is technology used? Can you tell us anything about the uh, what you what, how you sort of do it? Yeah, there is sort of technology that we use um, and just watch a lot of race replays and stuff like that just to try and make it a lot easier because, I mean, I do do quite a lot of work, I feel, as well as I have a quite a busy life outside of the game as well. I mean, I work most mornings, most afternoons, Monday to Friday, and if you had to keep putting video in DVD player, it'd just be impossible. I don't think I'd do it. I think I'd just get a job at Tesco's or something. Just take it easy. 
So is it right to say that what you use isn't available to the general public? No. You don't want to talk about it? No. <laughs> That's fine. So, moving swiftly on, what's the biggest problem a punter in your position has? I think the world could answer that one. Um, just getting my bets on. You witnessed it this morning, Simon. With I've got a few lads that work for me in the betting shops in the mornings. Um, and just getting on is literally getting impossible now. Is something that I've sort of retracted away from. I don't try and moan about it because you end up just moaning all day about it. You just got to get over it, overcome it, and adapt. And it's something I just mainly play Betfair now. Um, it is hard, obviously, to try and get bets on, but it's something that you're forever going to face. It's always going to be an issue in the game, so you shouldn't really moan about it. You just got to try and overcome it. Now, this is a question from uh, Ben. We've only met today for the first time, but Ben tells me you're very self-confident and have a bit of an ego. Now, is that a help or a hindrance to a pro punter? Um, I would say ego's a bit strong. Um, some would not agree, but I think it's just because I am confident, I am an extrovert personality, and it's something that I have had to adapt around the game, and especially for work, because it is an issue for a punter if you're up here and then down there you've got to be level headed all the time because you miss things you make wrong decisions and you have to be in control of your emotions so I feel like it's something as I've grown older and got more mature um, I it, I have I do believe I overcome it when I'm working um, whereas before I would I would just do silly things really like I just wanted to give it the big one and have massive bets in the ring and there'd be sometimes before when I was a lot younger that a dog might be three to one on Betfair and five to two in the ring but I'd want to have my lump on in the ring just to scream at home and now I try and retract having bets at dog tracks and if I do very quietly I rarely cheer now unless it's my own dog um, just try and be a little bit more restrained um, from being so to Ben's question, yes, um, it's something that when I see Ben, he often tells me about. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing as long as you're level-headed when you're working. Um, it's just some people are different to others, obviously. Now you were telling me before we did the interview that you got a quite a reputation quite quickly. Would that have been the reason why? I think it was. I think for me, it was more I wanted to be known as a good punter. I wanted to be feared. I wanted to have a reputation and it's something that a few people oh that backfire on you and I do think it has backfired on me now for getting prices especially dogs I own especially getting bets on and it's something that all the shrewd people I know now want to go under the radar and it's something that I do try and do now but when I, I got into it very young and I was reasonably good at it very young so when I was getting sort of good money on a Friday night in cash and you're this young lad you don't really know what to do with it but give it the big one but it's something that I've definitely tried to retract and get away from now So how many days a week are you active betting? Um, I would do Monday Tuesdays in the I do Monday morning, afternoon, evening not more so evening Tuesday morning maybe in the evening, Wednesday morning, Thursday's the 
the the onslog of all days, ten till ten really Thursday, and it's somewhere I go with where I can sit in with my mates and we focus. And Thursday's a big day for us, and then Friday nights I always go racing. Like I still love the game enough to go every week, and I usually go to Sittingbourne or sorry Central Park or Romford, um, and then I don't do anything the weekend. Try and spend time with my mates and my family and get away from dog racing over the weekend but now Central Park I've been running Sundays I've been slipping over there on a Sunday night with a couple of my pals so so have you got mates that are also successful punters that you sort of you get your heads together or yeah there's there's I think I've I've always done well with getting in with the right people and I think it's if you surround yourself with successful people then therefore you, you've got more chance of being successful yourself I mean there's a little clip with Gary who taught me. There's a group of us that we're very good friends. We're close. We sort of not work together, but sometimes we discuss cards and it's good to bash your heads together with some other people. But I've had a lot of people over the years that I really respect as judges that have helped me over the games. I mean, I've got a good friend in Wales and Neil Price are making, he's a fantastic judge. And he's someone that's helped me when, when I've been down, always talked sense to me and, this, I mean, he's a fella up north that's helped me out over the times. I mean, Mark Keatley was a helped me out. Um, Martin Green, a fantastic judge. I speak to Martin most days, um, and I mean, there's loads that I think I can. I think the art of being a good punter or good at anything is taking the good out of everyone, even if someone's that I don't reckon's a very good punter or not a fantastic judge you can learn off everyone and that's something that I felt over the last few years that I've allowed myself to do whereas before I would only listen to people that I thought was better than me then now I listen to everyone because you can learn every day off everyone so I think that's a key point all right, Jordan, you talked before that your biggest problem that other professional punters all say, which I suppose is a fairly obvious one, is it's difficult to get on. What? How far do you go? What sort of lengths do you go to to get on? I mean, for me, I, out of people, I'm quite a heavy punter. I mean, I quite head down on selections and I do want a lot on sometimes. And it's very... <laughs> you bash your head together, but I've had a knack for trying to find different angles of, say, friends that can help me. You know, obviously don't use their 365 or Paddy Power or Betfair or any accounts, but they put the bets on for themselves and they give me a drink now and then. But um, there is definitely an angle to getting accounts and people in betting shops and things like that, but and going racing and, I mean, I'm pretty much, the only tracks I go to now got no chance of getting anything on really I mean I asked for a bet the other weekend and they just straight said no to not even a penny so it's very hard now um, but I do have two lads that go out for me every day um, in the shops in the mornings and online accounts I mean I've gone through most people I know so it's very hard to to keep getting them and I can understand why bookmakers do do it and I'm and more so with the independent bookmakers at the track I, I do get wound up when punters say oh I can't get a bet on here I can't get a bet on here because 
if they're not taking no money in the night, why would they want to lay a massive bet that can just wipe out their evening? Um, I'd say probably the strongest ring I've been to over the years, Romford. I mean, going back a few years, you could get what you like on there, really, within reason, obviously, but you could get a decent-sized bet on now, and you still can now. I mean, they still lay a decent-sized bet over there. I mean, I've been doing war with Roger Barton for years, and he, he, he does take a bet, to be fair to him. OK, now you talk about... Um, your angle is watching lots of videos etc so is, is that something that's just going to always be there that's not an angle that's going to disappear you pit your wits against um, the I, I really don't see what the issue is with videos like people getting hold of them and watching them it's, it's only like in horse racing for instance you can get it everywhere can't you I'm pretty sure with race replays and stuff like that you show it on the TV at the end of the day but is something that I think should be accessible to all punters, and I do think you are millions to one without them. Um, and they are key to, to winning, so I don't think it's something that's ever going to go away. It's just whether there will be dog racing in 20, 30 years and what magnitude. I mean, I think the way betting shops want it to go, it'll be virtuals. We might have a virtual derby, Simon. In the past, I know when I was growing up with um, in betting shops, there's always the stories about a dog being given a gallon of water before the race or greasing up the traps or squeezing its gonads or whatever. I mean, how straight do you think Graham racing is? Oh, some of the stories I've heard of a few of my mates before. Like, oh. The most hated question I'd say I get is, when I wasn't, I'd love it. But now, oh, what would you do for work? And sort of grumble, you're like, oh, a professional gambler. You have to oh, you can't do that, or you can't do this, or that dog racing's this, dog racing's that. I think with any sport, what nationwide, like there is going to be cheating to some description in every sport. you only got to look at the news with all these different sportsmen getting caught and stuff like that. So there is a degree in it, but the straight the racing, the better for me. Um, I don't really care if I bet a non-try now and then or or a dog takes off because over the course of the year I know I'm only going to win so I'm sure it goes on but it's not something I've ever been involved in or want to be involved in really. Okay so you mentioned earlier to me that you, you own dogs, um, you've got an interest in dogs. Now does that complicate things for you if one runs badly or it drifts for no apparent reason and you know is it a good thing or a bad thing to be an owner as well as a professional uh, punter well i know different people do different things with owning dogs i mean i remember it's a story that haunts me for life i owned a dog with gary noble and tom mumford it was running the run for bags on a saturday morning it's no special tricks he's in trap six and i fancied a dog for trap four in my life and I went in the shops in the morning, stuck right on this dog. It's cracked out, leading. She's followed it round. And obviously I don't need to go much longer what's happened. She nutted it right on the line. Gary phoned me after the race. Oh, you, she ran great, you better. And I remember being on the floor. And ever since that moment, I've never, ever bet against my own dogs ever again. Um, it's something that I enjoy. If I'm doing a card, I can just put a line through the race and do a little bit of work and just to see how much I'm going to have on, but I always have a compassionate bet. Um, one of my friends, Martin, he's brutal. He owns quite a lot of the Roxholm dogs uh, he shares, and he he had the Roxholm hat in the final the other day, and he bet trapped two against it. I mean, <laughs> if you're in a, 
in a sprint final at Bellevue. I can't believe he'd bet against his own dog, but if he thought there was value, then he'd bet against it. But I'm never bet against my own dogs ever. Right now, someone I was going to ask you. Now you you're a young you're a young man relatively compared to the at least especially compared to the person interviewing you. Do you worry about the practicalities of the career? Um, you know, getting a mortgage, getting a loan if you wanted one. You know, they, you go to the bank, some professional gambler, they're already going to chuck a mortgage at you. So do you worry about that sort of aspect about your chosen profession? Um, not really. I mean, everyone I've, I know that I'm surrounded by, I've done well out of it and live a fantastic life out of it. Um, it's something that I feel like when I sat my mum and dad down and told them this is what I want to do it's something my dad was okay with because he was involved and he's seen what I've done And but my mum's a little bit of a warrior um, she wasn't too keen on it but she's okay now um, the hardest part was telling my nan <laughs> she, she still doesn't really understand what I do but it's something that I don't worry about at all really I mean the game is good if you put the hours in, you work hard enough to justify not worrying about things like that. Now, I've been here this morning, I've been privy to a bit of your business because I turned up early. Now, you've had some quite big bets on, which would a normal punter would probably lose a bit of sleep over. You didn't seem to worry in or there. Obviously, you wanted them to win, but when they didn't win, it was, oh, well, do you want a cup of coffee? How many mornings like that could you cope with before you start to get a bit twitchy and how would you cope with it? Um, it's something that now it's like, I don't know, I, I would, until you've just brought it up, so I've erased it out of my mind, but it's something that I've, I've learned how to deal and I think every punter needs to learn how to deal with it. Me, I just sort of forget about it, move on and I go about trying to do something else um, just to take my mind off it really. I don't, worry about it because I know that I've won for so many years that it's just how the job is it's just a rolling roller coaster and it goes up and down and I mean I never I think sometimes I'm an under warrior because I believe in myself and believe in what I do and the selections that I stick up so I don't really it doesn't bother me the slightest really he used to get me and I feel like that's why I've become more successful because whereas before it used to get hold of me and I'd go on the chase which I don't care what any professional gambler tells me or any punter that never goes the chasing never goes it's just how much like I know lads that I rate shrewder than well, the shrewdest people I've seen there's still an element of that if you're betting and you're losing that you just try and get a little bit back everyone's still got that in them it's just if they can retract it from happening so it's something I've learned to deal with and I feel like I've done well dealing with now you was telling me that um, you've got quite a positive way of getting rid of your uh, aggression if you've done your cobblers yeah. you would mentioned a bit about that yeah so um, my dad went to the Olympics as a weightlifter um, Commonwealth Games European champs world champs was in Team GB for a excess for about 10 years and it's something at a young age I got into um, decent when I was younger I was British champion when I was younger and I just sort of give up I didn't want to do it anymore I just wanted to you know alcohol girls and 
play golf and football with my mates and I didn't really want to train no more so I give up at about 15 and I remember when 2012 was on and my dad was involved but I can remember seeing the warm up room my dad was there and uh, we was in Magaluf on the lads holiday as you do and I thought I've got to get back training so I've been back training since then um, and yeah I train sort of five to six times a week in the gym and the lads and I love it and it's something that Hopefully in the next few years I can represent GB and uh, maybe go to the next Commonwealth Games. That's the dream. It's something that I believe I will do and I'm working hard to do. But I've just been injured for six months, so I've just got back training now and I really enjoy it. So, And plus as well, it's such a good thing for the dogs that, for instance, this morning after we finish this interview, I'm going to the gym with the lads and it just take me completely away from dog racing. It's nice that you have two different things so I've got an outlet other than dog racing where I know people that dog racing is just completely their life okay Jordan so you've told me that you put loads and loads of hours in you've got your heads in the videos you're working out what's going to win the next day you're betting five days a week now your your mates must be all going out chasing girls on the lash whatever and you, I suppose you're staying in all the time <laughs> Saying now I've got I got stuff to do. That must be pretty frustrating for a young fella. No chance. I mean, I, I, my one of my best mates is a fella called Darren Keith. He's well known in the game. He's a fantastic punter and someone I believe who's the best in the game that I've seen. He's uh, fantastic, and I was a ver very good friends of him at a very young age, just as I started in the game. So he showed me the high life of London and it's something that I've still not totally shook out my system but I've toned down but any time I've got money I just wanted to go out with Dazzler and have it uptown and something actually to be fair I was probably worse than Darren at one stage Gary uh, is a massive Tottenham fan and I used to be working on a Thursday and I'd phone Darren and say come on Dale, come out come on Dale, come out and Gary used to call it the pot try press He's just how I used to high press him to come out all the time, and he always used to give in. Um, so it's something that I do enjoy life. Like I buy, I probably own far too many dogs now. I own eleven dogs. Um, I go out all the time, buying stuff all the time, and I enjoy what I do and I enjoy life. And I think too many people worry about their tank and what they're going to do tomorrow. But it's something that I've learned to deal with within my needs, and I do think that. If you're doing well and you're getting money, then why not enjoy it? That's what we're in the game for. It's not to just sit there and look pretty. It was interesting you talk about tanks because um, I think most people would have one that they would keep separate from everything else. Is that not the case for you? Yeah, I, it's something I don't worry about. I mean, I've got every punter will tell you, got money dotted everywhere with different people. Um, but as long as I'm... If I have a good week, for instance, then it's it's not an issue or a good day or whatever. But I do keep a set amount. But if it gets below that, I do get a bit worried. But touch wood, um, for a few years now, it's been good for me, so I can't grumble. Do you keep um, sort of strict records and analyse where you go wrong and that sort of thing? Um, no, I don't. I mean, I know some people that do keep form records and right where they've had bets and where they get on well um, and it's not something I do like it's a little bit where 
people have said, oh, you should do this, you should do that, but why fix something that's not broken? Like, what I do, I do well at, and I don't feel like I need to do that. So, so you mentioned earlier that you, you like going dog racing, whereas a lot of people just sit there and get the money on. Um, and also, also, we've had a bit of criticism recently saying, oh, you just want people to say that dog racing's gone, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, you've got a different opinion. Yeah, I'd... I, I get sick and tired of hearing people talking about the good old days and, oh, did you go there? And, oh, this track's this and this track's the, the shit hole and this track's that. And it does wind me up because I feel like people need to be more positive in the game. And in dog racing, there's too many negative people that want to take a chip out of everyone. Uh, it's a fantastic game. I love going. It's something that, okay, it's been on decline for the last 50 years. But, I do think a lot of positive things have come out of dog racing in the last few years. I mean, the recent contracts with SIS and bags for the tracks is fantastic to secure racing. I know the with Sky Gun was a massive hit to dogs, but the racing post TV have been fantastic for a number of years now. And I feel like more people need to stop moaning and talking through their pocket and actually embrace the game and enjoy the game. It's something I try and do a lot. Um, and yeah, I've just love I love dog racing. I love the game, and I'm blessed that I've do what I do. So you've become very skilled at something that you've just said that you know has been in decline yeah. for a while. How do you see the future of it? Um, I feel like it needs to slightly reinvent itself in a way of a. It's hard to say. Um. It's like, I feel like owners need to be more recognised. With the recent contracts of bags, SIS and stuff like that, I feel like tracks should still realise that owners are there and owners are in it as a pastime or they enjoy sport. And for an owner, it's not about the money. No one's in it for the money because you don't, you don't win owning grounds unless you've got a one in a million. And it's about going there, cheering your dog, having a photo if it wins, which I think is fantastic, and enjoying the game. And I just, I think it's hard now because people want more value for their money and not many people want to go dog racing, but I feel like dog people, we're, we're different than most people. We're It's our own game, it's our own little world, and we enjoy what we do. It's not like Royal Ascot where people from all different jumps go and don't get me wrong I go Ascot and enjoy it but I feel like dog racing everyone's more involved and it's more of a family nature and it's something I do think will reinvent itself and hopefully be around and till I'm still breathing my last breath Simon well you like going dog racing you like supporting the actual dog racing are you welcome there by the bookies <laughs> um, I mean I've been going to Central Park for years and I mean Curly Wilson was he runs the books there and he's a fantastic bookmaker and he's done very well over the years and fierce and used to lay massive bets but now there's no market for him to lay big bets anymore same as Romford Roger Barton there's no reason why would he want to lay me a, a big bet when if that big bet wins that's his night gone it doesn't make sense to lay a big bet so it's not something that I hate on 
on-course bookmakers for not allowing a bet because there's no value in doing it nowadays. I mean, if they was taking, filled in five bags a race, then they can take decent-sized bets. Um, I mean, one of my very close friends is half a mentor to me as well. I speak to him quite a lot. It's Teg Hegarty in Ireland. Um, I was actually over the Irish Derby. Was it last week or the week after? Week before? I was over the Irish Derby and he laid... <laughs> it's a Thursday night and it was a no one was there. He laid an even five grand. I mean, he's fearless and someone that I believe is the best bookmaker ever. I know Ben would argue and say Tony Morris, but... It's all right in 1960 land massive bets when you're taking thousands. Um, but Ted Summon has done fantastic over the years. We've taken all the Irish, which I think is an achievement. So is there anything you can glean extra picking your next winner from being at the dog track that you would miss if you were just watching videos? I feel like sometimes that, say for instance, a Friday for me, I bet Central Park and Romford, um, I am probably better standing doors because I'm more focused and I can see things clearer and bet probably a bit better. And when you go racing, you can't totally focus because you end up chatting with people or missing something because you was doing this or doing that. So you do see a little bit more at that track for the racing, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably better off not going, but I love going and I love going with my mates. I love seeing people and mm. within the game that I can mixed with on race meetings. So do you, looking at your career as a professional punter, have, have you ever thought about hedging your bets a bit and trying to get as good at betting on other things as you are greyhounds? Um, it's not... I, I play sometimes on things, but if I think there's a slight edge or that, but I'm no good, I wouldn't make a profit and everything else I think grounds is my edge and it's because I've got a passion for it and I love the game that I feel like if you love something and you're involved in it you can do well if you completely focus on it so are you going to be a professional is professional punting your life you're still a young man 40 years time you're still going to be tapping away yeah I hope so I, I definitely hope so I mean I love what I do um, I've done well at it already you can i'm still very young so i can still learn and grow a lot and i'm learning every day still now um something that i know i need to get better at and i will get better at and i do believe hopefully one day i'll be at the heights of the game and it's just learning from people and trying to be positive and leaving the ego at home as ben would like to hear brilliant jordan vine thank you very much thank you you can follow Star Sports on Twitter at starsports underscore bet, our Facebook page at starsportsbet, and also view all our latest videos on YouTube at starsports. BeGambleAware.org. Over 18 only.